Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Full Measure After Hours. I'm Cheryl Ackeson. You may have heard recently about the huge pro-gun rally in Richmond, the capital of Virginia, but there's a lot behind that that wasn't reported. Nearly every county in the state has recently passed pro-Second Amendment legislation. Some are calling them Second Amendment sanctuary cities. We're going to dig into what triggered this movement and why people around the country are watching it. Joining me, as he often does, is investigative producer for Full Measure, David Bernkoff. And together, we've been looking into this phenomenon across Virginia. I think it was maybe about two and a half months ago, I first started seeing some local news coverage of these meetings that were being held. And it was pretty incredible how many people were showing up, hundreds and sometimes thousands of people, even in small areas, that were almost entirely, if not entirely, pro-gun rights crowds. And they were passing legislation that some were called calling a pro-Second Amendment legislation. Some people said it was sanctuary city for the Second Amendment legislation. But in each case, it was really to speak to the state where the Democrats have just taken over control for the first time in 20 years. And there's a Democrat governor, and they have promised a large package of gun control legislation, some of which really frightens people who are uh, standing up for their own gun rights and think that the state is reaching too far with their proposals. So that's what this is all about. But to have inside of two months, 91 of 95 counties, maybe a little over two months, but 91 of 95 counties vote in favor of supporting gun rights was really quite the movement. And then it culminated with the huge rally that some people saw on the news Um, the pro-gun rights rally in Richmond that was also attended by, it's estimated, maybe 22,000 people or so, filling the streets, you know, filling the capital area. This was really a massive rally in terms of what's happened before um, at the state level. Yeah, one of the things that's pretty interesting about the movement is that there are different levels of Um, anger and protest expressed in different communities. So some communities have said our local sheriff will not enforce new legislation. Others have said much less than that, like Virginia Beach, which said we don't think that there should be any more legislation. So there's a pretty wide range of, of opinions expressed and also a wide range of things that we saw in Richmond from uh, people who are very angry and threatening, you know, you'll have to come and get me. Tear the gun out of my hands. Tear the gun hand. out of my cold, dead hands, as Charlton Heston famously said at an NRA meeting once, to people who just don't want more legislation. Well, let's talk briefly about some of the proposed laws, and these are being changed probably as we speak, but 
the ideas that were put out there is what worried a lot of people. And again, with the new Democratic legislature, it's, it's a sure bet that some of the stuff that's been talked about over the years will finally go through. Among them, raising the age to buy a gun to 21, limiting to only one handgun purchase a month. There was a proposal that would have changed the distinction or the designation of some weapons to make them considered assault weapons overnight, which would have, according to the NRA, turned some people in Virginia into felons overnight. Well, after that came out, the governor, I think, came out and said, well, we would grandfather you in if you already have these weapons as long as you register them. And then there was some innuendo that maybe the National Guard would be brought out to enforce these laws if the local residents, you know, aren't going for them and these counties are saying that they're exempt from them. But then, again, the governor said, no, no, the National Guard's not going to be called out. But it's really, you know, in a state like Virginia, there are discussions in many states, but in a state like Virginia in particular, this motivated a lot of people. And in, in the span of about two to three months, 91 of 95 Virginia counties held meetings, standing room only meetings, and we attended one of them, and passed pro-Second Amendment legislation that said we don't want this to happen. That was really quite a movement. Yeah, the, it, the speed was very noticeable. It was about six weeks from the first meeting till now, well, till the last meeting a week or so ago. Uh, and virtually every place where the measure was brought up, it was passed. Again, in some form, this is not one size fits all in terms of the measures. So we went to Virginia Beach when they were having their meeting, and about an hour ahead of time, the line was really long. And everybody in it, except one person, had a pro-gun rights sticker on. I spoke to the one woman who was on the other side. She actually said she supports the Second Amendment, but she says it doesn't mean there shouldn't be some fixes and some additional restrictions to address the gun violence that we have. But I think the gun proposals are very popular among Democrats, and Virginia is now a purple state, you know, Democrat and Republican mix. But the gun control advocates did not come out to these meetings. It looks like they stayed home. That seems clear from the meetings we've, we, the meeting we attended and the other meetings that you can see online, that many of these counties will post their meetings, and there are not many people showing up at these meetings, nor were there many people at the big rally in Richmond. So I was going to talk about that for a second. There was a huge rally, supposedly maybe 20,000 people or so there. I mean, it was big. I think that's a fair number. That that was my estimate before I heard the official estimate. And you have a mind like a calculator. I do pretty good with with crowd estimates. (laughs) All right. Well, it was huge. I mean, this has to be one of the bigger rallies that, that have been held. And the governor declared a state of emergency in advance, which... You know, I kind of, I see why he did it, but it also got some people's hackles up, if people have hackles. It is fair to say. There were actually, this was interesting, I don't know if this was clear in other coverage, it'll be clear in, our, in the story we did. Uh, there were actually two rallies. Because the governor had declared and fenced in the immediate area around the state capitol, it was very strict security, as strict as any security I've ever gone and to no guns covering a presidential... Uh, appearance. No guns allowed, no lighters allowed, no tripods allowed. It was a strict, strict, strict. People had to go through multiple 
you know, wandings and mags and people looking through your stuff. So there were five or 6,000 people who attended the official rally inside. On the streets outside, which were also blocked off, that was where people who didn't want to give up their weapons rallied. They had their own street protests, and that was by far larger. I mean, that was ten to 15,000 Because you can open carry, carry an open gun in Virginia without a special license, right? And people did. Mm-hmm. There were many, many varieties of handguns, long guns, and semi-automatic weapons. Now, I didn't think there would be violence unless there was some random crazy person or an outsider rabble-rouser because they had held all these meetings over the past two months with all these gun rights advocates. There hadn't been any kind of problem there. But, you know, I think when people see, especially if you're not from areas where they do open carry or you're not around a family that has had guns and perhaps shot for sports or hunting, it looks scary. And in fact, there were tweets about this rally online showing pictures of people legally carrying their guns, some of them rifles and long guns and so on. And people were just terrified, some people, by that. Like, look, this is America or this is not America is what they were saying. And the fact is that happens in communities across the country every day. And and it is what America is about, peace, peacefully assembling to express your opinion about a right that's that's held under the Constitution. So... I, I don't know. I would say that it's pretty unusual to have that amount of weaponry by non-military or police people in that small an area. I've never seen anything like that. Were you scared? When hunters go out, they're not hunting fifteen thousand of them together. Uh, and I would say, I would say, around half of the people that were on the outside rally were open carrying. Um, but I'm saying, were you intimidated or scared or like, hey, if one crazy guy starts shooting, we're all done for? There was a huge police presence. Um, there were four police helicopters that I saw in the air. There were police drones overhead. Um, well, see, this is why I thought even if rabble-rousers showed up, they would be on their best behavior because even they would be thinking, <laughs> if I take one false move and there is one crazy person in this crowd or one person that does something to defend people if I do something threatening, there's, there's not going to be any hesitation. You're, you're done for. So I also thought even if someone was trying to stir up trouble, it might not happen at that point. I would say it was absolutely by my time there, and I was there from way before it began till after it ended, um, and I talked to other people who covered it, nobody saw a single instance of actual violence or trouble. That is different from saying that there weren't confrontations. I did witness a couple of people who I saw trying to bait police into some sort of reaction, not necessarily violent, but it was kind of verbally confronting someone. There was one, I'll tell an amusing story, I think the way it turned out, there was a guy who was talking to a Richmond police officer um, I would say somewhat aggressively, are you willing to shoot a citizen? Are you willing to shoot a citizen? Are you willing to shoot a fellow citizen? And the police officer was just calmly ignoring him, and the guy said to him, I, I just want to know because your governor may ask you to shoot me today. And the 
police officer finally, I think he was trying, he came up with this idea. I don't know, it was brilliant. He looked at the guy and he said, you're asking me to answer a question that could get me in trouble and even fired. So if you really want the answer to that question, are you willing to help house me and my family when I lose my job and pay for my kids' college education? And that sort of broke the ice and they both laughed about it and there was no confrontation. So there were things like that. You know, Alec Jones was there, the sort of rabble-rouser from InfoWars. Did the NRA show up? Because ahead of time, there were news reports saying the NRA was going to come and give out free magazine ammunition. The NRA had its own separate event the day before where they handed out, one of their sponsors in their magazine handed out information. They were not there officially on this day on the big rally day on Monday. Uh, there were NRA members there, I'm sure, but there was no official NRA presence. They didn't have anything to do with that rally. They were there the day, day or two before. All right, we have a story on January 26th on Full Measure that will show you some of these county rallies and events that happened before the big one, and we'll talk to a lot of people about what they think and why this movement is they think important and why it's so big. You can watch that. It'll be posted on Sunday, January 26th, if you don't see it on TV, at fullmeasure.news. But also, I think we're going to give some value added to this podcast and dig a little deeper right after uh, this break. Do you have something to say and want to make your own podcast? Let me tell you how to do that for free with Anchor. Anchor has creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. You can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's all you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So there were a lot of things and ideas bandied about as we covered the story about all the gun stuff. Some people were saying that the government has no right to regulate guns, which I think is provably false on its face because there are all kinds of gun regulations already. You can't be a prisoner and carry a machine gun into prison. You can't be a four-year-old and carry a gun at a nursery school, I mean, to state the obvious. And then there are more nuanced laws. And on the other hand, there are people who claim, well, the Constitution and Bill of Rights only talk about a well-regulated militia, so ordinary citizens have no right at all to have a gun. And that's obviously the subject of a lot of debate, but you, David, as you do so well, dug into this question a little bit, and let me set it up by saying, I didn't know this, but there was a Washington, D.C. case after they imposed a strict gun law, gun control law, so you can Take it from there. Yeah, Washington, D.C. passed a law that said no individual who doesn't have a job related to using a gun can have a gun in their home. And, and even if you do have a job that requires a gun, you have to lock that gun away somehow. And that case, now known as the Heller case, made it all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court and led to the definitive Supreme Court decision on gun rights. It's the one that people on both sides use and sort of lift quotes that help them 
but never tell you the full story. So there was a guy named Heller who lived in Washington, D.C., yes. who brought a court challenge. Yes. He was a, uh, he had a job, some sort of security job, federal security job, where he had a license to have a gun at work, and he wanted to take the gun home with him, and the D.C. law said, well, you know, even if we grant you the permit, you still have to basically put it in a safe where you can't access it quickly. And he said, I have a right, to, I have a right not only for my job, but I have a right to self defense. It's constitutional. That's what the Second Amendment is about. What year was this? This was in the early 2000s. The okay. case was decided finally in 2008. Okay, so do tell. The f- famous decision in Heller, written by Supreme Court Justice uh, Scalia, Antonin Scalia, and what it said was, for the first time ever, clearly in a Supreme Court case, there have been lower courts that had argued this, there have been people who'd argued it, but it said that the clause about the militia in the Second Amendment dealt with a time when every able-bodied person was a part of the militia. So it's not about being in the military or in the National Guard. Those were separate things when the Constitution was written. This is about an individual having the right to have a gun in their home and they are automatically a part of the militia at that time. So that was kind of a revolutionary thing. No court had ever decided that there is a fundamental right to arm yourself in your home. Okay, so breaking it down, that means just because the Constitution says you know, it refers to a well-organized militia when it says you have a right to own guns. doesn't mean you have to formally be in the army or military or some well-organized group. The Supreme Court is saying that's everybody. That's everybody who isn't, you know, underage or isn't uh, mentally disabled. That, that is every able-bodied adult. Now, the flip side of that, and this is something that the pro-gun people don't like to talk about is that Antonin Scalia was very careful to also say no right is unlimited. Just like, And so I will quote from this. Thus, we do not read the Second Amendment to protect the right of citizens to carry arms for any sort of confrontation, just as we do not read the First Amendment to protect the right of citizens to speak for any purpose. Like most rights, the right secured by the Second Amendment is not unlimited. So that means, in other later decisions by the Supreme Court on what cases to accept or not to accept, it means it's not an unlimited right, as some people claimed in some of these meetings and at the Richmond rally. So you'll hear somebody get up and say, this proposal by the governor is clearly unconstitutional. Everyone becomes a constitutional expert when they get wrapped up in a and an issue like this that they care deeply about. And at least as of now, some restrictions are clearly constitutional, but an outright ban is unconstitutional. That's what the law now says. So according to your read, could anything short of a blanket ban on guns that Virginia does, no matter how much restrictions there are below that, is that arguably perfectly constitutional, or is that something that you think the court would have to decide? The court would have to decide, because when you read this very long decision, things created to essentially create a ban on a person having a weapon to protect themselves would not be constitutional. So you can't like come up with clever language that 
in effect makes it so difficult to have a weapon. Like, for instance, if one was creating a silly situation, if you create a permit requirement, that could be constitutional if it's a reasonable permit. But if the permit requires you to name everyone in America who has another permit, that would be unconstitutional because no one could do that. So it. it's they have to be reasonable restrictions. And what is reasonable is up for continued discussion, debate, and court challenge. And in fact, Mr. the Mr. Heller from that case spoke at the rally in Richmond and said that he is now working on with an organization that is looking for other similar laws to challenge, get to the Supreme Court, and make... And he, he wants the right to have weapons broadened. Obviously, there are people like the Virginia now democratically controlled uh, legislature who want to continue to restrict. And well, this fight is going to continue. They may take a case that emerges from the new restrictions to carry on. I mean, one of the interesting things is this whole idea of a red flag law, which for many people sounds good in theory, and I think polls show people generally favor it, but coming up with language that everyone can agree on, I think is pretty tough. A red flag law, if you want to... Well, I would just say the red flag law refers to the notion that the government can temporarily, law enforcement, confiscate your weapons if you were determined to be a danger, exhibiting dangerous behavior, perhaps imminently dangerous to yourself or others. The question everybody has is, yeah, common sense, that sounds all good, but everyone knows you may have a mean neighbor that files a false complaint about you or an anonymous ex-spouse who decides to create trouble for you or a child who's unhappy with punishment decides to complain against a parent. I mean, who knows what's real? You know, it's so subjective. When you Language at- is really hard to come up with, and that those laws surely will be challenged. I suspect there are organizations now that will challenge pretty much every law that is um, that hasn't already been challenged somewhere. So the Second Amendment is certainly an area that's going to remain in the courts for a long time. Well... I learned a lot. Thanks, David. And I also learned in doing a little research, Virginia may be where the biggest rally was held recently, but there are new gun control laws being proposed and battles going on in a lot of states, Texas, Alabama, Georgia. You know, I just did a quick Google search. They're showing up all over. So these discussions are going to be happening all over the place. And I think one one issue that we certainly will keep an eye on and that everyone should pay attention to is after a law is passed and after it goes to court, if it's found to be constitutional, would there really be people who carry through on some of these threats? Like the one of the sheriffs who said he just would have to think about whether he would enforce, enforce law. certain laws. And that's like kind of an interesting issue. It really is. All right, everybody, uh, check out fullmeasure.news and subscribe to our podcast if you like it. Hope you did. And, David, thanks. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, leave a comment, like it, share it with your friends, and consider subscribing to the Cheryl Atkinson podcast and Full Measure After Hours. Those are two of my podcasts. You can listen to them on iTunes or your favorite distributor. 
or visit CherylAckeson.com and just look at the podcast tab. You can listen to them right there. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself. Thanks for listening.